John chapter 14 is where we are today. John chapter 14, verse number 15. John 14, 15. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. This is God's word. The title of the message this morning is our helper, the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit helper, our Holy Spirit helper. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and get right into the message this morning. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, and I pray that your word would accomplish what you would please in the hearts of those who hear it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember the day that my parents dropped me off at college. That was a long time ago. I remember the day. I've been looking forward to it for a long time, of course. Uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, all the way up through 12th grade. The day had finally come where I was finally going to be on my own. My parents and I, we packed up my things, everything that I could fit in a couple suitcases, Drove the six hours to Southern California to a small Bible college where I went to school. Got my things unloaded into my dorm room and got everything situated. And the time finally came for my parents to say goodbye. And it finally hit me. As they were driving away, this feeling that I had that all of a sudden the people that I had been leaning on for 18 years of my life were not my side any longer. And it's a scary feeling, is it not? For those of you that either remember 
being dropped off at college or maybe dropping your own child off at college. You remember the feeling. The feeling of being alone. A wide new world is opened up to you. And the question that I asked myself at the time was this, how am I ever going to make it without them? Perhaps that was you. How am I ever going to make it without this person? Jesus is getting ready to leave. In less than 24 hours, he is going to be crucified on a cruel cross, buried and will rise again after three days. But first, he comforts his disciples by saying this, I'm not going to be here with you much longer, but I'm going to leave you a helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In this passage that we have before us this morning, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to all believers and declares that your love for Christ is proven by obeying his commands. And so our application that we take away from this text today is this. We ought to rely on the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to love and obey Christ. My sermon this morning is only two points long. That doesn't mean I'm going to be any shorter, but uh, it's some encouragement to you. It's only two points today. But I want us to look at two things. I want us first to look at the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then I want us to look at the commands of Jesus. The first thing that I see in this passage is this. Number one, the Holy Spirit is with every believer. The Holy Spirit is with every believer. If you look at verse number 16, he is called something very distinct. He is called our helper. Number 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The original language in in the Greek text that underlies this passage, the word for helper is a word that means legal advocate, a assistant, if you would, a legal aid. The King James translates it as comforter. New King James, which we just read from, translates it as helper, an assistant, a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because he is close enough to the situation to understand your circumstances. How many of you can praise the Lord for that right now? The Lord has not left us alone. He has left us with a helper. He is a helper like Jesus. He says that I will leave you another helper. The word another there is, there are two words in the New Testament that are used of another. And this another means another of the same kind. Those of you that are Bible scholars in here know that the Apostle Paul uses another word, another, another, if you will, to refer to a doctrine that is not of the same kind. No, the Holy Spirit this morning is another helper, but another helper of the same kind, the same vein, the same essence, the same person, the same deity as Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is no less of a helper than Jesus was to his disciples. The the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Holy Spirit is our helper, and he is our helper forever. He's our helper, but he's also our spirit of truth. Look at verse number 17. He calls him the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. 
the world is on a search for truth, is it not? So much so that we have a new position, a new job title for several people. They're known as fact checkers, right? We all know, we, we've, we've seen the news, we've seen the websites, we've seen Snopes.com, right? There are all these people that are always adding context, always fact checking. Why? Because the world is on a search for truth. The world doesn't want to know what it looks like to this person or what it looks like to this other person. The world at least nominally is interested in what actually are the facts. But this morning, the facts are this. The Holy Spirit dwells within you and the things of God are known to us believers. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says this, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Faithful followers of Jesus have the gift of the Holy Spirit. They have a spirit dwelling within them that the world does not know about. You want to know how to make wise decisions? Do you want to be able to tell when somebody's teaching is a little bit off? Do you want to be able to teach good biblical truth to your kids and to your grandkids? Lean on the Holy Spirit. There is no other source of truth. God has revealed the truth of Scripture to us, and we have the Holy Spirit to reveal and illuminate the truth to us. The secular world knows no thing of the Holy Spirit. You may listen on the radio. You may hear podcasts. You may hear popular speakers talk about the text of the New Testament or how the Old Testament law and the New Testament scriptures relate to each other. But if they're not saved, if they're not Christians, my friends, you may as well be listening to something else. Because the natural man receives not nor understands the things that the Spirit of God gives illumination to. But we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts dwelling within us. We have the Spirit of truth. But we also find that he is our teacher. Verse 25 says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. It's good to know that up to this point that Jesus has basically been spoon-feeding the disciples for the last three years. He's been teaching the disciples. Up until this point, the disciples have always been able to ask Jesus, Jesus, what does this mean? What do you mean by this parable? Oh, what are you talking about when you're talking about this new law that you're giving? What are you talking about when you say that you are the bread of life? What are you saying when uh, there are four different types of soils that the seed of the word of God can go into? What are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus has been talking to his disciples for the last three years, feeding them the word of God, explaining to them everything that they need to know. But now Jesus is telling them, I'm not going to be here any longer, guys. You are going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit to teach you. The Holy Spirit will continue to help them and understand and remember the things that he has taught them. He's able to bring to remembrance the things that you've memorized. He's he's able to bring to your mind a scripture verse that perhaps when you are approached or confronted with a situation that you do not know how to resolve, all of a sudden that little Bible verse that you memorized years ago comes into mind. You think to yourself, oh, that's what this verse is for. That's the situation that I'm supposed to use this Bible verse for. 
But can I say this, that the Holy Spirit will only bring to remembrance the things in your mind that you have already memorized. Are we memorizing the Word of God? Are we spending time with God each and every day? Are we taking the time each day to take a scripture and hide it in our hearts, knowing that the Lord will bring it to remembrance at a future time when we will most certainly need it? Be diligent to be in God's Word every day, spending time with God in prayer every day. The Christian life is not some mystical, subjective journey. The Holy Spirit, let me be clear, is not some mystical force out there. The Holy Spirit is, in fact, a person. He is a person in the Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person of God dwelling within you if you are a believer this morning, and he is able to help you understand what is said in Scripture, and he's able to help you discern all of the situations that you may find in your life confronted with. This is not a, this is not a subjective mystical journey as some Buddhism or Hinduism might have you believe. There is no such thing as all roads lead to the same destination. There is no possibility that whatever path that you weave for your life throughout your days on earth, that it will all end up all right. No, the Holy Spirit is there to guide you into the single source of truth, and that source is the God of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is there to teach you, to convict you, as you sit under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And then we find that the Holy Spirit is our spirit of peace. Look at verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Can we hearken back to verse number 1 of John chapter 14? What does the Bible say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus says all of these things and he sandwiches it in and bookends it at the other end of his long sermon, so to speak here, by saying the very same exact words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Jesus, you believe in God, the peace that I'm about to leave with you is not the Father and is not me, but it is going to be another one like me, and that is the Holy Spirit. Let not your heart be troubled. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, the peace of God comes to those who have consistent communication with God. Consistent communion with God. The peace of God allows us to face trials and difficulties. It is the peace of God that assures us of our salvation. It is the peace of God that keeps us calm and secure, even when storms are raging all around us. And we wonder to ourselves, God, where are you? Holy Spirit, where are you? I need your peace right now, God. I need your comfort. I need the comfort that only you can give. My friend, the peace of God only comes through consistent communion with God. The Holy Spirit provides peace in a way that no other worldly security can. And if you are here and you're a believer 
and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, take advantage of that. You do not have to live in turmoil. You do not have to live in, uh, in torturous heart. You do not have to live in distress of mind. You have the Holy Spirit living within you because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Nothing in the world can offer you the kind of peace that Jesus can. I'm reminded of a Confederate general, and I realize I'm in the southeastern United States, so the Confederates and the Union, you know, there's there might be some a little tension there. But the Confederate general, Bar, uh, General Barnard B., said of Stonewall Jackson, there is Jackson standing like a stone wall out in the middle of the battlefield. Uh, born Thomas Jackson, General Jackson earned the nickname Stonewall Jackson because in battle he would stand out in front unafraid of any bullets because he trusted in God. In fact, Jackson is said to have, uh, he is known to have said this, quote, my religious beliefs teach me to feel as safe in battle as in bed. The peace of God. Your time on earth is not over until the Lord says it is. Are you longing for a helper this morning, church? Are you longing for discernment? Are you longing to know what truth is? Are you confused and unsure about decisions that you need to make in the very near future? Are you longing for peace in your life? My friend, make sure the Holy Spirit dwells within you. Make sure that Jesus is your Savior. And take comfort in the fact that you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. The Holy Spirit is given to every believer, but the other point of my message is this this morning. Love for Jesus is proven by keeping his commands. Our love for Jesus is proven by keeping his commands. You know, in verse number 15, Jesus says that anybody, if anyone loves him, keep his commandments. And up until very recently, I always thought that Jesus meant, look, if you love me, then do this. If you love me, if you say you love me, then do this. Keep my commandments. And I looked it up this week. And this may come as a surprise to some of you as well, but that word keep in keep my commandments is not an imperative. It is in the what we call in the Greek the indicative mood. In other words, if I could say it this way, Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. It's a statement of a fact. If you are truly in love with Jesus, it will logically follow, it will naturally follow that you are going to keep his commandments. And you say, how, how can you, how can you, how can that be? How can, how can love also obey a command? Isn't, isn't it one or the other? Can't you, uh, am I, if I'm obeying a commandment, it, does that necessarily mean that I love something, somebody? Let me put it to you this way. In marriage, there's a few things that I'm obligated to do, are there not? Uh, I'm commanded to provide for my wife. Uh, I'm commanded to protect my wife. I'm supposed to be, I'm, I'm commanded to be committed to my wife. In, in other words, I'm not permitted to date or see other people. I am commanded to be my wife's best friend. I'm commanded to take care of my wife if she's sick. The vows that we spoke to each other several years ago were in sickness and in health, forsaking all others. And you ladies probably know the vows better than I do. I'm just trying to remember it right now. <laughs> I know I said them. 
But I'm commanded. I'm commanded to keep myself only for my wife. And my friends, if you truly love your spouse, even though you're commanded to do those things, is it really a coercion on your part? No. You love that person. You would be more than happy to keep yourself only for that person. You would be more than happy to do whatever that person asked you to do. If you truly love Jesus this morning, is any command that he could give you really a coercion? If you truly love Jesus this morning, wouldn't you love, wouldn't you be happy to obey any command that he had for you? What are the commands that we have from Jesus? Well, we have three of them that were previously listed here in in chapters 13 and 14. We find that Jesus commanded his disciples to wash each other's feet. We find that he commanded them to love others as he has loved them in John chapter 13, verse 34. And then we find in chapter 14, verse 1, to believe in him, the command to believe in Jesus himself. John chapter 14, verse 1 and 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. You see, obedience to Jesus' commands is not coerced. Jesus doesn't force you to do anything. Obedience, Spurgeon says, obedience must have love for its mother, nurse, and food. The essence of obedience lies in the hearty love which prompts the deed rather than in the deed itself. When we obey Christ, when we obey his commands out of a grudging heart, we're better off not obeying it at all. It's the heart that Jesus is concerned with. And when your heart is right with God, then you will obey naturally the commands. The Holy Spirit will enable you and empower you to obey the commands of Jesus. You know, there's one thing that won't be in heaven. There won't be any law enforcement. Truly, as believers on earth, we don't need law enforcement here either, do we not? I'm talking about somebody browbeating us to keep the commands of Jesus. And can I say this? If you need somebody to constantly force you to obey what Jesus has already told you to do, you may want to check to see if you truly love Jesus in the first place. If it is a burden, if it is a drudgery for you to do the things that Jesus has already commanded you to do, to attend church, to spend time with him each day, to memorize scripture, to pray to him, to give, to serve, to love your neighbor as yourself. These commands that Jesus has already given, if, if those are a, a drudgery, if those are, if you are loath to do any of those things, you might want to check your love for Christ today. Jesus says, if you love me, you are going to keep my commandments. But who would Jesus be if he asked us to do something that he himself has not already done? We we find in verse 31, Jesus provides an example to follow. Verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. So Jesus is not asking us to do something that he's not already committed to. He is not asking you to obey his commandments and he's just going to sit up in heaven and not do anything. He's going to be hands off. No, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And just so you know that I'm obeying my father's commandment, I'm going to lay down my life for you in the next 24 hours. 
the ultimate example for us to follow, in order to demonstrate to the world that Jesus was obeying the Father, that Jesus, no, in fact, loved the Father. He went boldly to the cross. Jesus died for the sins of mankind because the Father commanded him to, but, the, but Jesus also loved the Father. We can say very simply this morning, if Jesus died for me, I can live for him. If Jesus died for me, I can live for him. I don't know everybody's story in here this morning. I don't know if everybody in here is truly a believer or not. I don't know if you've accepted Christ as your Savior at some point in your life or not. But it is to this point in the message that we come to this. If Jesus is not your Savior, you can make sure of that today. If you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you right now, you can make the decision and be on your way to heaven and have your sins forgiven today. Jesus will save you. I came across an article this week that was entitled, Strong and Powerful Love Spells That Work Immediately. (laughs) I didn't write it, okay? It was written by an astrologer. And she guarantees that if you follow this ritual, it will make someone fall in love with you immediately. Her love spells involve lighting a candle, tracing the outline of a heart on some rose petals, chanting some incantations, and focusing on the person you want to fall in love with you. Whether it is a relationship that you already have, whether it's somebody that you would love to have a relationship with, whether it is you trying to get an ex spouse back, whoever it is, if you say these incantations and do this ritual, you can make somebody fall in love with you immediately. The author does say, however, quote, all powerful love spells should be cast with good intentions. Never use them for selfish reasons or attempt to manipulate another person's feelings against their will, as this could lead to negative consequences later down the line. You know, the very fact that you have to resort to a magic spell in order to get somebody to love you tells me that you're trying to manipulate their feelings already. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us, church. We have no need for magical spells. We have no need for ritualistic observations. We do not have to get into a circle with a candle and chant some things over and over and over again to make us love Jesus or to stir up some emotion in us. No, the Holy Spirit has already been given to you. Jesus says that if you love him, obey his commandments. Stop trying to work it up inside yourself. Stop trying to stir up the emotion in you to, to, well, if I could just do better today, I'll be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. I'll work harder at it. I'll work... My friend, if you're trying to work your way into a loving relationship with Jesus, you're approaching it all wrong. The very fact of the matter is that God has already loved you, and he's loved you before you were even a thought. He's loved you from the time you were born to the time that you die. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you for all eternity. And he asks you this morning, would you accept him as your Savior? And believers, if you're in here and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, will you surrender to him? Will you take comfort in the fact that he is our helper? He is our teacher. He is our illuminator. 
He is our peace giver. Revel in the comfort that the Holy Spirit gives to you this morning. And if you are not saved, then I beg you this morning, accept Christ today. Make the choice to follow Jesus today.